Well, there you go, everybody. This is Small Business Weekly. Show number 10. Changing it up a little bit. Got a new theme music. It's exciting. 10 hours of conversation and exciting tips for you, the small business. Super good. We're just cruising right along and we're glad you're here with us. Today for show number 10, we got an excellent guest. We're going to call this one Meet the Rep. All right, well, welcome everybody to the show. I, uh, I always forget what to say when I start the show. So this is a, a special show for us, uh, which is kind of nice. We actually have a politician, somebody elected by you people out there. And uh, I'm anxious to hear what she has to say. Before we get started, though, I just want to do a little housekeeping. I want to say thank you all for listening to the show in the past. I want to mention that this is sponsored by the San Fernando Chamber of Commerce. And uh, we rely to survive on the participation of our members. So if you're a member, make sure you pay that dues when it comes due. If you're not a member, but you might be out of town, you appreciate what we're doing on the podcast, you support local business, uh, we appreciate corporate sponsorship. Donations are thankfully received. If you would like to donate to us, uh, give us a shout out at media at sanfernando.com. That's our email address. We'll make sure that somebody gets back to you. If you're interested in membership, you can email our director, Jeanette, at director at sanfernando.com. She'll make sure that you get an application. We also have applications available on our website, www.sanfernando.com. Um, since we're not on YouTube, you can't click the like button, but please subscribe if you'd like to. We'd really appreciate it. So today's show is uh, show number 10. Woohoo! Excuse me. I'm excited. I, uh, I've been doing 10 of these now, and I, I think everyone here has been fabulous guests. And I'm uh, definitely uh, looking forward to our conversation today with uh, Luz Rivas. She's the Assemblywoman for the 39th District. Luz, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom. Very excited to be here and talk to you. Well, again, I thank you so much for uh, making the time. Uh, I think this is the most prep I've ever done. I've, I've talked to you guys several times beforehand, so uh, I thank you very much. I know your schedule is packed, you know, as an assembly person, but uh, this has been really good. So I, uh, again, thanks so much for participating. Um, well, thank you for inviting me um, to be part of the show and for, I, you know, preparing with my team, and mm -hmm. I, I look forward to this conversation. So, uh, Luce, now... Um, I know a little tiny bit about your background and uh, that's totally honest. And uh, so in, it's important for me to get uh, sort of uh, bearing straight on where people come from, what their history is. So please feel free to spend some time with me now and, and go through, because I know you're local to the area. You know, we're in the city of San Fernando, which is a, a small incorporated city in the suburb of Los Angeles. But, um, I'm not sure exactly where you're from, so hit me with some uh, history and let's uh, let's get a little uh, more uh, to know about you. 
Sure, I grew up here in the Northeast San Fernando Valley in Pacoima. Um, actually, we moved around a bit. So we lived in, you know, within the same area. So I lived in several places in Pacoima. Um, I lived in San Fernando oh. for a few years on Mott Street. Oh, right, right, right yeah, around the corner from I, my office. <laughs> oh, okay. I lived on Mott uh, for a few years in elementary school, um, then back to Pacoima, then to Arlita. Okay. So, you know, the, the same general area, the mm-hmm. Northeast San Fernando Valley, as you know, we all, we shop in San Fernando, mm-hmm. we live in Pacoima, we go to Silmar to sure. dinner. Um, and so this is home for me. Yeah. Uh, my family came here in the 1950s. You know, mm-hmm. my aunt and uncle came from Mexico mm-hmm. um, in the 50s and, you know, bought a house in Pacoima mm-hmm. in um, by Bobo's Burgers, oh, Bobo's, if you know where that yeah. is. Yeah, I wasn't there. <laughs> I remember when that was built. I'm mm-hmm. that old. Yes, yes. Uh, but um, every time I tell someone, they know exactly where I grew up. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Where uh, High school around here? I went to San Fernando okay. High School. Mm-hmm. Go Tigers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so proud um, graduate of San Fernando High School, you know, and, you know, I went to elementary and middle school in the area too. Um, and after graduating from high school, um, I went to college mm-hmm. uh, to MIT. Uh, and so yeah, this is so 1991, a long time ago when I left high school. You, what was your major at MIT? Electrical engineering. So that's a, a fascinating um, turn of events considering, you know, in, in the early 90s, engineering was pretty much a, a you know, a, a guy dominated field. I mean, what <laughs> motivated you to go into electrical engineering? Because that's a cool thing for me because yeah. I'm in computer science. So, <laughs> of course, you know, you know, to be honest, at the time, I don't think I knew that it was a male dominated field. No, right? I mean, it, yeah, it's... it was just what I was interested sure. in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was too young and, you know, I didn't know anybody that was a scientist or engineer. Um, I just got interested in STEM in elementary school because mm-hmm. we, like you just mentioned computer science, mm-hmm. uh, my teacher was teaching us computer science at right. Telfair Elementary School in Pacoima. So we were programming Apple IIEs. Right. Sure you remember those, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah I so remember as, that. as you remember, they just have a green cursor mm-hmm. and you have to type in commands. Yeah. You know, nowadays people, you don't have to program a computer to use a computer. Mm-hmm. But back then, this is in the mid '80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you just stared at the screen, and it wouldn't do anything until you actually told it what to do. <laughs> no, that's that's totally cool because, uh, and and that's kind of what I meant is that you know, uh, uh, it's an interest that you have. Yes, and that's what's exactly. fascinating to me is that you know you and wait a second though, a lot of people are interested in stuff, but a lot of people don't make it to MIT. <laughs> So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I got my degree from the fabulous uh, Pierce College. Mm-hmm. It took three years for that two-year degree, and um, I called it senior high school. But anyway, it was it was great, and I think the program there was dynamite. But wow, you know, uh, MIT was pretty cool. How was the experience? You know, it was a you know it was a culture shock in the beginning, right? Yeah. If you've ever been to Boston or mm-hmm. Cambridge out there in the East Coast. Completely different from California, sure, especially sure. The, the San Fernando Valley, oh, yeah. right? It doesn't look like it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people are very different. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lots of students at MIT from all over the world. Yeah. You know, so the diversity there mm-hmm. uh, was something new to me, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, as you know, San Fernando High School is almost all Latino sure. um, students. And, and so it was just, you know, taking all that in my first year, mm-hmm. you know, lots of different students. Of course, the difficult coursework, it is um, very hard, you know, yeah. in the beginning, uh, you know, we, we're always studying and you, you have to do a lot of work um, in all of your classes. And, uh, and then adjusting to life on the East Coast and being away from friends and family and, and also the weather change, yeah. right? You know, it snows over there. It's so cold. I had never seen snow. Wow. Well, I had never seen snow fall. I mean, yeah. you know, from the valley, you could see it mm. um, and the mountains. Mm-hmm. But I had never been there. We didn't go skiing. We didn't go to anything when I was a kid. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was all, all of that was, mm-hmm. especially my first year there, right? Lots oh, yeah. of changes, um, totally different experience than I was used to growing up in the San Fernando Valley. But it was so much fun mm-hmm. to learn so much more than just academics. Well, especially when you're at a level where you're allowed to be in um MIT where you know it's like going to you know the Ivy League schools you're that's one of the advantages of leaving to go to school is perspective is understanding that the bubble doesn't stop at the edge of your you know sphere of influence the bubble is huge and you see other people and you have to associate with other people and I think um uh, it's one of the curses of technology is, is it's drawn people in. I think people need to get out a little more. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think for me, even though I didn't know it at the time, you know, I wanted to stay uh, for college in Los Angeles somewhere right. close by. It was never my goal to go away for college. MIT is the only school I applied to where I would have to go away. Mm-hmm. And you know, I just applied just to see if I could get in because I knew I wanted to study engineering. And mm-hmm. my teacher told me that that was the best school in the world. So I'm like, oh, let's see if I could get in. Um, and, but once yeah. I went, I realized I appreciated a lot more of my upbring- upbringing, my mm-hmm. family, my community. You know, I was so happy to come home for the holidays to Pacoima. Sure. I was so excited to be there, to eat at certain restaurants, to shop, to see people more than the people, my friends that stayed behind were like, you're crazy. Why are you so excited (laughs) to go to this place? It's because I don't have it in Boston. And I realized how much I loved my community. Right. Well, yeah, I I think, and that's what I mean by that perspective is you, you meet other people, but you also uh, get a chance to experience the value of what you missed. Uh, uh, if you love something, let it go. You left. And now you're like, oh, yeah, that's why I like it. <laughs> you know, that's why I like home, you know. Yeah, I think, you know, especially as an 18-year-old and mm-hmm. um, leaving at that time as a teenager, um, you know, I, I grew up. Yeah. I grew up and, and was able to have a different perspective. Yeah, yeah. And and I think I needed I was the type of kid that needed that. Well, you know, not everybody is like that mm-hmm. and some people want to stay close to home and I think that's great. Yeah. Uh, but I think for me to to just become who I am today and mm-hmm. maybe 
become get more mature right you know i was like a little girl um that didn't really know what she wanted to do you know i knew i liked engineering Mm -hmm. i didn't really think about my community and you know Mm -hmm. and at that time well you know when i was uh uh that age uh i was into music and uh, musicians were a lot that way they you know they call it woodshedding you end up spending a year doing nothing but scales on the piano. And your whole life is about getting the timing right and getting everything perfect and, and learning that chord progression. And, oh, my God, that guy's chops are so righteous. And, and so you're, in other words, you shrink it down. But when you do that in Boston, it's kind of a, it, it, you get both. Because then you leave sometimes, you look outside and you're like, my God, it's snowing and that's why I'm freezing. <laughs> and and so it, when you're out of that comfort zone and forced to, you know, take it to the woodshed, you get sort of a double whammy of, of uh, that sort of global or uh, national or perspective of what else is out there, you know, and how people think and how they work. And, and uh, th- there's a lot of coral, uh, corollaries and, and parallels to that. For example... One of the problems we have in small business is that some of the small businesses in town don't believe anybody wants to buy what they have except the people within a mile of the store mm-hmm. because they just don't see the value of what they have to other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, uh, your tacos are dynamite, but I, I'm not going to advertise because I have my customers. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Well, wait a second. You're complaining to me that you're not making enough money. You need to expand. You need to get more. Maybe there's some people in Encino who think your tacos yeah. are dynamite, but they don't even know you exist yet. So having that perspective and understanding that you're not only providing a value to the guy down the block, but you're providing a value to everybody, why deprive them of that value? You know what I mean? Exactly. And people are willing to travel for good food all the time For her, yeah right they they leave their area let's we drive get in the car and drive 45 minutes because i heard they make really good burgers here mm-hmm. right <laughs> um, oh, yeah. also some of these taco places in san fernando i remember when i was in college in boston i'm like if one of these was here they would make millions millions <laughs> yes. because there's not any good place over here yeah um or I was looking for a place that sold good tortillas, corn tortillas, right? If yeah. if we could get one of these small businesses just to move over here, <laughs> and they would be the kings yes. of <laughs> Grandma's of recipe in Boston. Yeah, in Boston, <laughs> like you would make so much money, right? Yeah, I've heard that from a couple of friends of mine who've moved out there. I have another friend who moved to Maine and then down oh. into the Boston area, and uh, he said the same thing. There's no Mexican food. Forget it. No. <laughs> <laughs> but once again, there, there you've sort of uh, defined um, what it is to um, think big, to think uh, beyond your borders, beyond your uh, immediate. And it's frightening. People are uh, afraid a lot of times. I get it. You know, it's scary to hang it on the line every time. But you know, one one person said in our one of our other interviews, you're an entrepreneur. By definition, you're taking a chance. You're, mm-hmm. you're... That's true. You're already taking a risk yeah. Yeah. by opening a business. 
Yeah, so what can you uh, and lose? I don't I don't know if people realize that. Wow, you're already a risk taker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you could get a, a secure job and try to look for the benefits nine to five. But nowadays, you know, not every job is secure, even if like it used to be. Well, yeah, I mean, this last year has taught us that, uh, you know, everything's on the chopping block in some way or another. And um, I think, though, you know, there are lessons to be learned from the COVID experience that are um, valuable. In other words, uh, you know, I, I, I'm using this word in a different context, but as a business owner, you tend to be conservative. And that means you need to save some money so that if the customer doesn't show, you can still make payroll and you've got to sort of shuffle that. Exactly. But, and so it, it's important to have that cushion and yes. to plan for the worst, but uh, hope for the best. And um, I don't know, I plan for the best too. <laughs> you know, that's what advertising is. It's uh, planning for the best, you know. Well, now, with, especially with social media, mm-hmm. you know, now, you know, the, there's no, there's not as much barrier to entry in terms mm-hmm. of creating your own ads yeah. or if business owners have a young daughter or son mm-hmm. that can create, you know, nowadays kids know how to create graphics and mm-hmm. videos and, you know, that, I think that allows more innovative, you know, anybody to be innovative. Well, let me ask you a question now. After you graduated, you come out here and I, did you get a job or did you work in the field or? So I actually got my first job was in Chicago. Oh, so I didn't come really? home right away. Mm-hmm. I interviewed at some places here in LA, but I chose um, to work for Motorola mm-hmm. in Chicago and that's where they were headquartered. Uh, Moto. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> I think back then, so this is 1995, yeah. right? When I was looking for a job. I didn't want to work in the defense industry mm-hmm. and, and that's most of the jobs here in the Valley or in Los Angeles for an electrical engineer back then mm-hmm. were, you know, missiles, defense, mm-hmm. um, industry. And I didn't want to do that. I'm like, I didn't go to college to do, to create these missiles that will kill people. That's mm-hmm. who I was back then. And I probably yeah. still wouldn't do that, yeah. but, uh, but they're great jobs. The aerospace industry yeah. Uh, but at the time, that's who I was. And I told my family, I'm mm-hmm. going to Chicago, right? I'm well, what, consumer uh, electronics. Yeah, right? So was yeah. that Motorola? What, what was their division that you were working under? Uh, I was in the automotive electronics division. So uh-huh. they were creating GPS systems. Yeah. Cars Telecom. at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. All of that. Mm-hmm. At the time, it was the big client was GM, mm-hmm. which is their OnStar yeah. um, feature. So that's what I worked on. Nice. Uh, so it was interesting because mm-hmm. at the time, uh, people didn't know what GPS was. Not everybody did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it was a, a new tech, newer technology that people were starting to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we thought, well, let's put it in a car. Well, sure. You know, so, and now everybody has it <laughs> in their car <laughs> or on their phone. Oh, everybody yeah. carries around a GPS on their phone. Yeah. GPS is... Uh sort of runs the world and nobody knows it. <laughs> That's the way, you know, we put it. I mean, uh, I'm in the uh, telecom industry in some way because we're an internet provider, but we deliver internet wirelessly. Mm. And we have so about... Satellites or... 
No, we have uh, towers that we've set up with around the San Fernando Valley area, and we uh, transmit internet over microwave to those towers and then down to... That's how this feed is coming. It's coming through a wireless connection. So it's a ground-based, uh, they call it a metro wireless network, somewhere in the you know four to five gigahertz frequency range. But uh, every we have 400 antennas in the air, and every one of them has GPS on it. Mm-hmm. Without GPS, you can't do the timing required. The timing, to yeah. I was going to say you need to synchronize. It's mm-hmm. a lot of people used even back then. We had, you know, Motorola made just GPS, mm-hmm. you know, receivers, and one of some of their big clients were people that used them just for timing. Yeah. To synchronize. Yeah. Something because it's it's power. There's an atomic clock, right? Yep. Um, on these satellites that precision timing. Right? What do they call it? A stratum one, a stratum two time servers are what we're synchronized to now. So those are the primary core servers that are linked to the satellites <laughs> through GPS. Mm-hmm. That's cool though. See that kind of stuff. Uh, I know yeah, it's we could a talk tangent. a whole hour. We could talk a whole hour. Sorry, <laughs> I, everyone. That's no, I, Luce and I are going to talk tech for a minute. Uh, so, but I just. Yeah, but, you know, I, I still I'm in, very interested in lots of different technologies. I, I read up a lot about it. And I think I think it's made me a better legislator now where I ended up today. Right. Because well, yes. A lot of the decisions we have to make in California um, are about new technologies mm-hmm. and in and the future, mm-hmm. right? And uh, just the bit the bit of a background that I have, I you know I'm not starting off from zero and sure. saying what's that? I have no idea what that is. Sure, sure. And I I agree completely. I mean, the issue here is that um, you know the more you understand about where things are going, the better decisions you can make about whether or not um, it's uh, the right thing or the wrong thing or whether you need to even be involved in it. And, I, you know, I don't want to sound like, uh, oh, we know better because we're technology guys. But it's true to some extent in the same way that lawyers understand contracts better than I do. Mm-hmm. That's why I have a lawyer, <laughs> you know, so, so he can tell me in layman's terms, whether or not I'm screwing up, you know? So I, I, I have total, uh, props to you for, you know, being, going down that road and, uh, keeping that interest. It is pretty cool, you know, uh, to have a legislator who's, you know, sort of been in our area, you <laughs> We've got a lot of people who are entertainers who want to be in the legislature, <laughs> but you know, I think uh, having that technology background is really great. Yeah, and it's interesting now that I'm in the assembly. You know, there's 80 of us, and we have, you know, former medical doctors, mm-hmm. dentists, of course, a lot of attorneys yeah. um, that are there. And you know, it's interesting that that we all have different backgrounds, sure. and we rely on each other. Like, mm-hmm. I go to the medical doctor. <laughs> on some health issues. I'm like, what do you think? I want to hear his perspective because he, he's been in the emergency room. You right. know, he has worked in a hospital, mm-hmm. um, provided healthcare. And I like to hear what he has to think on some bills. Mm-hmm. You know, is this the right thing to do for us? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, what led you to, because this is something that interests me as well. What led you to the DIY girls? 
Oh, yeah. I love this. What yeah. was, you know, what was the impetus for that? You know, because go ahead. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, I got interested in STEM in elementary school here in Pacoima, right at Telfair Elementary in the 80s. Before they called it STEM. (laughs) Yeah, they didn't call it STEM. You're right. Yeah. They call it it nerds. (laughs) Yeah, I was just a geeky little girl Mm -hmm. uh, back then. uh, And I didn't know that computer science was a career or engineering. I thought it was a toy that my teacher had in the back of the room. And if you finished your work early, you could go mm-hmm. and program the computer, which for me was like playing. Yeah. And I was so excited and I would always finish up early and go back to the back of the room and I was on the computer. Yeah. And it, as you, just in case there's younger people listening, we didn't have computers at home. We didn't have cell phones. And nobody had ever seen these machines. <laughs> I mean, at, at least in Pacoima, I would say. You know, our parents, most like my parents weren't professionals. Uh, They didn't work with computers, you know, and um, I I had never seen one and didn't know what it was until I was 10. And, you know, I was programming at 10, 11 years old. Sure. And, and, and I realized as an adult that that's the reason I became an engineer, Mm -hmm. right? It started in elementary. I continued with that interest into middle school. I went to Pacoima junior high, and they offered a computer science class there. And then in high school too, at San Fernando. Um, And that's the only reason I ended up in engineering. It's because of those early experiences with technology. And when I came back as an adult, I went back to my elementary school for a career day. Mm -hmm. You know, when they invite you, oh, speakers, alumni. And, you know, I realized that not all of the kids were getting that experience, that early experience that I thought is what sparked my interest in technology. Yeah. And, you know, right now teachers have so much to do, right? It, nowadays. Oh, yeah. And not all of them have a background in, in STEM that they can just get started. Mm-hmm. And not every school offers it. So it made me think, well, I could start it. I know how to teach these concepts to children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to do it uh, in my own community in yeah. Pacoima. And so I talked to a teacher at Telfair, and she's a teacher that I went to elementary school there with. Uh, sure. And she's now a teacher. And she talked to the principal, and they're like, you know, if you would want to start a program here, go ahead. And they gave me my own classroom. Really? At, at, at the elementary school. And I was doing this as a volunteer, yeah. right? I was just like, okay. Mm-hmm. So I recruited, you know, fifth grade girls. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's like 30 of them that showed up that wanted to be a part of this. Oh, they nice. just took, they didn't know what this was about. They're mm-hmm. like, sure. And this is an after school program. Um, and that's how it got started little by little. And then every, I, I, I started to get calls from other elementary schools in the area. Like, why aren't you at this school? We want your program and we want your program. Right. Um, and at first I was like, oh no, I'm just doing it here. It's just it's a not small a program. program. <laughs> it's not a it's just me coming to, you know, two or three times a week after school mm-hmm. to this school, my elementary school. Um, and then I, you know, I created it as a nonprofit. Yeah. And then it started to grow. Mm-hmm. And now I'm very proud that DIY Girls continues to serve. Um, so many young girls in the San Fernando Valley, in the East San Fernando Valley. So it's we incorporated have, as a nonprofit now. Yes, it is a nonprofit, mm. has a board of directors. 
you know, and run, you know, fundraises, everything, you know, it's uh, everything that other nonprofits do. Mm -hmm. Um, And now those, those first girls that I started with just graduated from high school. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of them are off. I have one girl that's at Brown University, Brown University in Rhode Island studying um, biomedical engineering. Mm -hmm. We have some at UCLA, UC Riverside, you know, lots of the UCs and Cal Mm -hmm. States. And most of them are in some STEM field. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm a, you know, because I'm a computer science um, major and that's, you know, taking things apart has been my uh, thing. Um, I, the maker movement has been a big uh, thing, you know, a, a big thing in my, the back of my mind is how valuable it is and how rare it has become that kids are exposed to like dad's garage or, you know, grandpa's garage. Uh, you know, when we were kids in the 60s and 70s, that's where we learned everything. We hung out in the garage. There were tools. There were things. There were stuff to build. There was uh, nothing was handed to you when I was young because I grew up in Silmar, you know, probably five miles from where you grew up. Mm-hmm. And in, in and at that point in time, it was, you know, y- your family didn't have the money. Yes. Uh, you know, we had a gas the crisis. Sendu. Yeah, you. Oh, I remember the gas lines in the seventies. Yeah, and, <laughs> and San and Fernando. So, exactly. Yeah. It, it was crazy. And so, if you wanted to do anything, like I wanted a go kart, well, I had to build it. Yeah. And I had to build it out of wood because I couldn't weld. And but I did, and me and my friends, we'd scrape money together and mow lawns and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I think there's a value to understanding the physical world that translates to how you manage your life, you know? And- you know, I found that when I was teaching the girls, you know, when I was creating the DIY girls program, mm-hmm. one of the activities we would do is to take things apart, mm-hmm. like small appliances, yeah. like literally take them apart, you know, with, uh, screwdrivers and hammers and mm. other tools. Toaster. Um, yeah, like a toaster, uh, a key, you know, li- like anything I could find. People mm. would donate. Actually, the girls' parents would donate. Mm. Oh, this alarm clock doesn't work anymore, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I'll take it. I'll take <laughs> it. <laughs> um, and VCRs were mm. popular. Yeah. Because, or DVD players that didn't work anymore. Mm. And they would start to take them apart. You know, of course we did it safely. You know, they're 10 years old, the girls, so they wore goggles and everything Mm -hmm. they had to, but they loved it because they would just smash things open. (laughs) And, you know, when do they get to break things? Never. They, they, they don't get to use tools. Like you said, their dads don't take them into the garage and say, Hey, Mm -hmm. let's build something together. Right. Um, Some of these fathers, have nothing to talk about with like an 11 year old girl. Yeah. And, and the dads would tell me, mm-hmm. you know, I have nothing in common with my 11 year old. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do I talk to her about? Yeah. And just by these girls being in the program, mm-hmm. I think it connected them more with their fathers. Yes. Um, a lot of the, the dads work in construction. They're plumbers, electricians, you know, very hands-on jobs. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, they got to show their daughter 
what they do. And the daughter says, oh, I've used that tool and mm -hmm. I've done that in DIY Girls. Yeah. And it really connected them. And I, I didn't intend for that. I didn't, you know, I grew up without a father. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up with a single mother. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what that's like, you know, to connect with your dad mm -hmm. on an activity. Uh, but the dads in that their daughters were in this program used to share that with me a lot. Like, well, you can't, you can't say enough about the importance of a strong male influence in a child's development, because there's something about dad that's a little dangerous, that's a little on the edge, that's a little risk-taking, whereas mom is going to coddle you and make sure that you're safe and healthy, <laughs> but dad's going to say, well, you know, maybe we go a little faster. Maybe if we, uh, you know tighten it up a little more. Maybe if we, uh, you know, hang it out on the edge a little bit. And there's, there's uh, an understanding of the physical world that you live in that sometimes only dad can give you. But there's, like you said, there's that trepidation with young families where I don't know, I, it's a girl. What do I do? You yeah. Know? <laughs> I think some of the men were like, I don't know what to do with the girls right <laughs> like, well, um yeah. and then they were they would talk about like one of the girls her dad worked like an hvac repairs mm -hmm. you know repairing air conditioning yeah. they started talking about motors together mm -hmm. and you know things like that and the mom would walk you know this young girl's <laughs> mom told me i walked into a conversation with my daughter and my husband talking about motors and mm -hmm. how they work yeah and she's like I would have never expected to walk in to, mm -hmm. to that conversation. You know, these are like 11 year old girls. Well, you know? and I think what that does is, uh, you know, for girls and boys, if they have a, a healthy place to do that, it prepares them in different ways. I think, you know, when I was young and, um, you know, you tell me if you had this experience, but when you're in technology, you have this, uh, this feeling like you can accomplish anything. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can make this machine dance because I know how to program it. I can fix that and it works. So it kind of gives you that entrepreneurial uh, bravado, you know, for lack of a better I word. I think it's, I think it's confidence. Yeah, there you go. Right? Confidence. You right. know, like, especially as a young woman, you know, that's my experience. I don't, mm -hmm. I'm sure for boys too. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, people just look at you like, you know how to do things that adults don't know how to do. Right. <laughs> Program and the VCR. <laughs> yeah. I use, oh, that's, that was me in my household. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My sister is like, program it. And my mom would like, I want to record this. And they would make me do it. Because I was the more techie back then. Um, young, you know, person mm -hmm. in my household. And I think these girls, they just didn't realize, you know, I would invite guests to come and, you know, to visit the program mm -hmm. and the adults would ask, what are you making there? How did you do that? Mm -hmm. Wow. And they're like, these adults went to college and they don't know how to do this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? yeah. And I would say, no, they don't. Mm -hmm. They don't teach this everywhere. And, you know, I would always emphasize to the young girls that they know how to do things that a lot of adults don't know how to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it, it just, you would see their faces just mm -hmm. like, wow, I'm <laughs> smart. And some of these girls are kids that people say they're not the smart kids in the school, mm -hmm. right? 
they're not doing well in math and and maybe not reading at a, a lower level than they should be, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's like that was we, me. <laughs> we we track these kids like, oh, they're reading at a third grade level and they're in fifth grade. They're never going to make it, mm-hmm. right? Or they're just going to be behind all of their lives. Yeah. But we don't provide these hands-on experiences another way for these kids to shine. And some of them were way better than the girls that were getting all A's, right? Yeah, some well, there's a, kids- there's a difference between being uh, smart and being smart. I mean, there, it's, it's funny. And that's why I, and, you know, as a legislator, you can probably, uh, you know, help to modify this in some way, but I don't like the, the school system, the way it, you know, has evolved because there's less room for uh, um, becoming someone. It's all about qualifying. And I, I remember school being a, a, I mean, when I got to high school, I, I the first junior high, I, 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 I went what to- What high San, school did you go to? Well, I was a St. Ferdinand's Alamany guy, so I was Catholic mm-hmm. school. But before I went to Alamany, I went to San Fernando High for summer school, and I went to Silmar High, no, San Fernando Junior High, before it was middle school. school. And then I went to San Fernando High for uh, right before high school. And those two summers, I took typing and small gas engines. (laughs) You know, I learned how to fix a Briggs and Stratton one-cylinder lawnmower engine. Or I would go to uh, Silmar and I would take uh, English Lit because I needed it for high school. And then I would take Photo. And so... The thing that intrigued me about the upper level schools was I got to use equipment. There was a print shop. There was a wood shop. There was a metal shop. There was, wow, look at all this stuff you could do. Nowadays, nobody wants to get hurt. So we're going to take all that away. And you got to make sure that your math is up, though. Yeah, they they gutted all of those shops. At San Fernando High School, we had those when I was there in the early 90s. And now they gutted a lot of that. And well, yeah. some schools are now trying to bring it back. Like you mentioned the maker movement yeah. and how um, some some people are attracted to it or, mm-hmm. or want to bring it into K through 12 education. Yeah. And now they're trying to bring back the machine shops in yeah. the schools. So we have to start over. I know. It's really all of that equipment. California's famous for that, though. When I was a kid, it was new math, you know, and it was uh, we we're always trying something new. And I guess that's progress in some way. But uh, the reality is that if we want to train people, because I I think statistically, a large percentage of people in school, and I don't want large meaning maybe 20 or 30%, are going to be their own boss at some point. Whether they start a construction company because they're uh, uh, good with a hammer and they work in the trades, or whether they are an accountant and start their own accounting firm, they may become their own boss. And in order to develop a good, solid business, you've got to give them a good, solid, broad-based understanding of the way things work. And that isn't just reading, writing, arithmetic. Uh, it's just experience. And I and I don't think the school needs to teach you how to be a, a business person, but maybe understanding the difference between 
a bank account and a credit card, maybe. <laughs> you know, so, I don't know. Let's start at the basics, you know. But yeah, uh, financial literacy is something I think that's missing. There's um, a there's in, a word I schools. haven't used. Financial literacy. I'm writing that down. <laughs> yeah, like getting a, a credit card. What your credit score is. I didn't know all of this, you know, and um, how to get a loan mm -hmm. and, you know, the importance of paying your bills on time, you know, mm -hmm. and how it affects the credit, your credit. Uh, you know, those yeah. are things that you just learn as an adult, like just being in there, but by falling into it. <laughs> yes. You know, mm -hmm. oh, I didn't pay now, I, you know, or I didn't qualify for this loan and I really need to buy a car. Yeah. And uh, no one told me. You right? mean I have I to know. pay this credit card? Or in college, they offer you tons of credit cards and you're like, yay, I can buy anything I want, right? And no. then you get the bill. And like, how am I going to pay for all of this? Mom, dad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, um, it, it is very, uh, you know, financial literacy is one of them. And uh, uh, my other pet peeve was teach people how to be organized. If we could teach financial literacy and personal organization, kids would be just like, you know, on fire because- they would know not to forget to show up or they would know that, you know, 10 minutes early is five minutes late, you know, it, 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 simple That's things, true. you know? Yeah. Even how to responding to people Yeah. You know, yeah. now with email and text, I mean, we get so many messages and mm. it's hard, but I think some young people, I would say, did you get my email? And they're mm. like, oh yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you didn't respond. I asked you a question, Yeah. right? I used to work at a university a few years ago at Caltech, I was there oh, right. and I would send an email to one of the students mm -hmm. about a question I had or something yeah. that would benefit them. And they just wouldn't respond to yeah. the email. And they're just like, oh, no, I don't respond to emails. You know, so, sometimes it's like a job opportunity yeah. that they may be an offer they're getting. And well, they just miss the email, don't respond or don't thank people mm -hmm. for helping them. Yeah. You know, lots of that. I think, how do you learn that? How did we all learn that? You know, I don't know. Well, and I, you know, I'm an opinionated guy, but I think social media has diluted sort of the ability of people to communicate electronically because, you know, human beings aren't meant to communicate without seeing each other. I mean, uh, even in this podcast, I see you. <laughs> the, the, it, it helps to... Uh, be aware of how that other person is thinking by looking at them because we've evolved over millions of years to do that. Now, suddenly we're taking that away and we're like, you know, flaming people on Instagram or on, you know, Twitter because, you know, they said this. You didn't, you well, maybe if tone. you talk to them, you know. <laughs> yeah, definitely when you tweet or send a text message you don't know well, when you receive it, you don't know the tone or the sentiment or like, and sometimes I'm like, wait a minute, is he trying to say this to me? You know, mm -hmm. and you just make it up in your head. I'm like, wait, like yeah. this was a text. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, let me just talk to this person. Yeah. Right? And yeah, yeah. I pick up the phone after three mm -hmm. texts. I'm on the phone. Yeah. It's like, I, I, exactly. I'm old. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and we can't express ourselves hundred percent with emojis. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That I does, wish it <laughs> does not substitute for my face, you know? But, <laughs> well, um, so let me, uh, ask you from a policy standpoint, um, I'm familiar with, you know, the big programs from the federal government, but 
with the things that are happening with COVID and uh, a lot of things we get at the chamber revolve around, you know, I need some help as a small business. And I just thought I'd ask you, you know, from a, a California standpoint, is there any resources or, I mean, you must have been in conversations like this a lot over the last couple of months. I mean, is there anything that we could add to our understanding of what the state could do for a, a, a small independent business who might, you know, need a leg up, so to speak? Yeah, you know, I, you know, first of all, you know, since I was elected over two years ago, you know, I have recognized that small businesses here in the East San Fernando Valley, and especially San Fernando, the city of San Fernando, you know, they're the backbone of our economy. Um, it's why people go to San Fernando, yeah. right, to visit these businesses. Um, and, you know, they provide um, services and products that we all want and employ lots of people yeah. in our community. Like you said, most of them are people from this area that know what people, the, what the community wants, yeah. like within a mile, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, um, uh, someone that owns a restaurant earlier. Uh, and, you know, also most of the people that work for these small businesses live in the district, right? And I think it's important um, that they become, they get mentored and that there is jobs locally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think you were there, but when I first started, I was happy to partner with um, the San Fernando Chamber uh, and also with Facebook mm-hmm. to offer like a boost your business workshop. To that the was dynamite, by the way. It was amazing. Yeah. I, I didn't expect that high turnout. Facebook you know, I, is a marketing machine. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, they offered it. They called me. So how that happened was Facebook contacted me, you know, their government relations person and said, we would love to do a workshop for businesses in your district. And they said they had done research. Um, of this 39th assembly district and they identified the city of San Fernando mm-hmm. and Arlita, you know, and yeah. they said, those two are areas that we would love to, you know, offer this workshop. I chose the city of San Fernando mm-hmm. uh, because I thought, okay, lots of small businesses, you have an active chamber. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could partner you. Know, I could call you and yeah. say, do you want to be part of this? Um, and it worked out. I yeah. mean, that it was an early morning event in yeah, case uh, people are listening and didn't attend. Um, it was uh, led by Facebook on how to use Facebook, you know, for your business. There was a line out the door when mm-hmm. I got there and I was worried, oh, it's mm-hmm. so early. Mm-hmm. Um, no one is going to show up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just thought that's, and I'm always a little paranoid on mm-hmm. filling the room for mm-hmm. my events. I feel like it's a, it was at what, Casa Torres, the yes, ballroom. Yeah. And I thought, that's a huge room. <laughs> if only five people show up, it's going to look em- very empty. Yeah. Um, and I was on my way to Sacramento. So I just, I, I just went for the morning part because I had to go to Burbank Airport to catch a flight. Uh, and that's why we, we did it early too, because that it was the only time that I could do. I had to go to work mm-hmm. to Sacramento um, and, and just seeing that enthusiasm, you know, just really motivated me, mm-hmm. uh, to continue working for small businesses. And, mm-hmm. you know, right now they're the most affected, uh, by COVID Yeah. and, you know, the state, I think we did, you know, the governor and the legislature, uh, you know, it was a focus to make sure we, you know, that 
we kept small businesses going, mm -hmm. uh, but our first priority, of course, was to keep people safe and prevent the spread of COVID-19. Yeah. Um, and now we're able to think about, okay, how, what can we do for small businesses? And besides the federal government programs, like these PPP loans and others, um, the state of California, we were able to allocate uh, millions of dollars to the Small Business Finance Center, which is at the iBank, which is the California's own bank infrastructure, the state bank, yeah. um, to provide you know, capital for small businesses that may not qualify for the federal funds. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some disaster relief loans, um, some a program, there are programs that provide capital access, uh, and all of these are available. And, you know, there's a website that has all of these resources and any small business can call my district office. Um, yeah. And one of my staff members can help uh, the business navigate through these programs and how to apply for them. Well, you know, so there I, are some resources. I didn't know about the iBank programs. Um, and I think that might be a, because uh, you know what uh, we get a lot is uh, we might have a, a call with a few people and uh, everybody, you all applied for your loan, right? And people would say, no, you know, I didn't because I heard, because if you're a sole proprietorship and, and mm -hmm. if this wouldn't work out and I don't think we qualify and, you know, we were like, no, apply, <laughs> let them yes. tell you no. <laughs> And, and that's what I always say. Yeah. Like when people say, well, I'm not going to get into this college or yeah. I'm not going to get this loan. I'm like, did you get a rejection letter? Yeah. You know, yeah. the let, you know, and they're like, no, but it's almost like they don't want to apply unless it's guaranteed. Right? Exactly. And, it's... And, and nothing is guaranteed for us, for anybody. Yeah. Right. And we all have to work. We have to put in the time um, to apply um, to, to get the documents and, all the information that's needed. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's something, you know, my team can help. We can connect people to mm -hmm. the state agencies and we do that a lot, you know, or we serve as the intermediary mm -hmm. with the state. You know, my staff will call the state agencies on behalf of mm -hmm. um, constituents. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is, you know, that is something that I can do too, is maybe bring a speaker um, that uh, will, that, is an expert on the state programs for small businesses. Yeah. Um, you know, that's another thing we do too is uh, I sometimes I'm not the expert on all of the state agency programs, but what I do is I connect with the state agency and they send someone like mm -hmm. I, I had a workshop in Silmar mm -hmm. for homeowners on insurance right. because of the wildfires and mm -hmm. all. And, and we brought someone from the insurance, the state insurance uh, you know, someone that works for the commissioner, um, insurance commissioner, mm -hmm. and he explained and answered every question that the homeowners had. Right. And right. I just hosted it. Right. Uh, and so that is, you know, something that I, I want to continue once maybe we do it virtually mm -hmm. or, you know, once COVID we go back to some kind of normal, right. Yeah, we go right. Back, where we can have in person and pack, you know, <laughs> Casa Torres again, right with another informative workshop for businesses. Well, it's been really uh, great working with you over the years. It's only been two or three projects, but having access to your office and you as a local, you know, because, uh, and also as, you know, uh, 
somebody with a tech background, I, I feel like your uh, position comes from more of a genuine um, uh, uh, understanding of the need and uh, rather than an opportunity, you know. And I, I think there's a lot of cool things. Like we've already talked about doing a, um, having you come to our large uh, membership, uh, membership Zoom. That's what we're going to call it now. It's going to be a membership Zoom. And uh, I think that would be a great opportunity to talk about some of these, um, these programs because I, I think people focus on what they see on the news, but it's, mm-hmm. it's difficult to dig a little deeper. And that insurance thing, by the way, I think that's going to be our next podcast here is going to be, um, I'm going to have an insurance agent on. We're going to really talk about why you need insurance. You can never have yeah. too much. <laughs> you know, I'm actually, you know, I, I just bought a home last year oh, and I'm looking at, um, yeah, I've never lived in a home, you know, oh. that I owned, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a big deal for me. Yeah. Um, because my mom was always a renter. We couldn't afford to buy our own home. Right. And that's why we moved around in Pacoima, San Fernando or Lida. It was just sure. renting. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so, um, but, you know, so I don't know much about what type of homeowner's insurance I need. And I've been learning a lot, even at some of these workshops that I've hosted yeah. or constituents, sure. I start asking questions to the, <laughs> to the person, and especially around, I'm looking into earthquake insurance right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I started getting worried. I'm like, oh no, what if I lose my house to an earthquake? Right, um, right. And, and it's something that I need to learn. Oh, yeah. um, and I have a lot of the, re- I have access to the resources I can call the state agencies, but yeah. I think of that, if I'm going through this, then there's a lot of people in Silmar and San mm-hmm. Fernando and Pacoima that are going through this too. Well, you know, it's not a, um, it's not a, uh, a sign of weakness to want to learn. Oh, and no. my, I'm... my son used to work at Apple at the, uh, Apple store. He was in retail mm-hmm. for Apple for like four years. And one of the things they taught him was, and I mean, you know, Apple's retail is like out there. It, it's like what yes. Nordstrom used to be back in the day. Yes. And, and he said that they were taught that if a customer came to them and said, I need to do this, how do I do this? And you don't know, your response is supposed to be, look, I really don't know how to do that, but let's figure this out together. So we'll both know how to do it. And that's exactly what you said. It's like, you know, I don't know everything about insurance. I need to know. And and I'm having a seminar, so I'm going to ask this guy. <laughs> because, you know, this is what I do on this show. I don't know everything about being in the assembly. I don't know you. I don't know what you do. But I want to know, and I'm curious. And uh, I think that curiosity is is healthy. And it's it's actually, in my opinion, a an advantage, not a disadvantage. And I think that's also the benefit um, of joining groups, like, Mm -hmm. for example, the San Fernando Chamber, being a member, uh, uh, you're around people that have similar questions to yours, or maybe they're creating programs that are beneficial to you and something Mm -hmm. that is, you know, like I'm, you know, I'm a member of associations and Mm -hmm. something that I need or, uh, and I think networking and Mm -hmm. being a member uh, is one way of learning and making sure you, you know, you know, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> You're yeah, like, I agree. I, I, I never thought of that. Right. I just, you know, it, I didn't even know that I had to go and look mm-hmm. and, and learn this yeah. until someone tells me, have you thought of this? I'm like, no. Oh, right. Yeah. And so, 
you know, even as a as a state legislator, I'm a member of um, the national um, group of state legislators, and mm-hmm. I get a newsletter. I'm, you know, I have membership benefits. Yeah. Um, there are state legislators from all over the country, right? Yeah. And uh, I think I think we have to encourage that more. Yeah, I think so. To, to join, people seem to think there's not enough time, and I think there. Uh, that's uh, the opposite of what's true. The time has to be made available so that you uh, can avoid the the big things in, that might hurt you. I mean, I'm I avoided personally joining a lot of things for a number of years because you know, hey, I can do this. It's a business. I know how to fix things. I'm good. But eventually, you start joining groups. We joined a. Uh, wireless industry uh, group a couple years ago. And, you know, you get your newsletters and blah, blah, blah. And we decided, okay, we're going to go to their little convention. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how much money we've made just from that one visit. Yeah, it costs us a lot of money to buy a ticket, fly out there, go in, you know, in a hotel, two of us. But the resources just are still coming and it was a year ago and you we joined the FCC we're a mem- we have FCC uh, identifications we didn't have to but we did it because it's the right thing to do and now we're part of a larger community so i i you brought up something that i was going to bring up which is no we we have to invest in ourselves yeah chambers and are think, important you know you know i run into a lot of people they're just trying to get it free or, you know, the workaround or yeah. the shortcut. And sometimes there there are no shortcuts to where you want to get to, right? You, you have can't to, invest you have in a pay. shortcut. <laughs> you have to pay. Mm-hmm. You have, And it's for you, yeah. right? It's to benefit your, yourself, your own professional development, mm-hmm. your business, mm-hmm. right? Like you said, your business, you've made so much money yeah. um, from attending that convention. And, you know, everything that you learned and brought back to San Fernando. Well, you can't uh, and, afford not to, I think is the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I hope that more people in our community see that, right? Mm-hmm. That you know how important you're spending money, but it's on yourself, on your growth, yeah. right? On your business. Yeah. You, you know, and I think you in a leadership position can influence a lot of people by saying those kind of things, by letting them know that look, you're not alone in this. There's a lot of people that you should be talking to in a chamber of commerce who may be able to say, well, look, I know a guy who had that exact situation. Talk to Fred over here. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, uh, Mary over here has uh, experienced the same thing and she got out of it doing this. Talk to her. And I think that community relationship is something people miss when they're, you know, behind the 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 iron cooking the burgers you know yeah that's true and sometimes you're just focused on your day-to-day job and yeah. you go home you're tired yeah. not everybody has the time yeah. you know they're just like i ha- and then if they have a family kids clean the house cook uh-huh. um you know everything uh, but even you know i try to do that with my team too mm-hmm. right you know and and they work hard mm-hmm. and i and i'm thinking about okay how are they going to grow what skills and mm-hmm. what should they join? You sure. know, and a lot of times I offer, well, I'll pay for it if you go yeah. to that conference. You know, it, you know, I'm able to do that with mm-hmm. my budget. Um, but because one, they're going to gain a lot, but then I am too. 
right? Sure, sure, <laughs> it's like, sure. They're going to come back with new ideas that benefit me, that mm-hmm. benefit the the assembly district, the, all the constituents. Yeah. Um, and that's how I see it as an investment. I agree. Um, yeah. To do better, to do our work much better than mm-hmm. we do it now. Well, Luce, we're we're running up against our our time, and uh, which is a bummer because we could probably keep going. Um, <laughs> there's just uh, it's fascinating to really get to know you, and that's what I like to do in these conversations. And I reserve the right to invite you back to sort of drill down into a few other uh, ideas we have, and 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 as things progress, but. Uh, I can't say thanks enough for, uh, and it's been great. I mean, you know, it's good to know about where you come from too. Thank you. No, it's it's fun to talk about these things. And, um, you know, we're both from the same community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we know what it's like. We grew up here mm-hmm. um, and we want everyone to be better yeah. and for our community to be better. So mm-hmm. um, I know we share that in common. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really appreciate that you invited me yeah. to have this conversation today. Uh, but also, I want to remind listeners that if they need any help with any state agency, um, any issue that you may be having that you think uh, my office can help with, you're welcome to call my office. My office is located in Arlita on Laurel Canyon between Branford and Sheldon. So, and I will try uh, to put... convenient, I think. I'll yeah. try to put a link to your website and a uh, and some information about where people can get a hold of you um, on our Chamber of Commerce website, sanfernando.com. Okay. So that Great. You know, yeah. those who are interested can keep the conversation going because you're, you know, one of the rare uh, uh, um, uh, elected officials who I can actually have a nice, normal conversation with. And, and I <laughs> totally appreciate that. And you people out there should appreciate it too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I don't know if that's good. Well, you know, just, I'm, I'm, you know, we, you know, some of us like this wasn't, you know, I didn't start off being an elected official, right? Yeah, I was yeah. um, an engineer and then I started a nonprofit and mm-hmm. like a small business owner, yes. I had to think about paying payroll mm-hmm. um, and, and making sure I had enough money to buy all of the supplies that re- that are required for all of these STEM programs for the girls. You know, it's not mm-hmm. free. No. Uh, and I have to pay an accountant to do my bookkeeping and all of that. Uh, you know, everything that a small business owner goes through, you know, and I, and I still think of that Mm because I remember the struggle and thinking I need more money or I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make payroll next month. What am I going to do? And then learning to make sure that I had a reserve fund, Mm -hmm. right? Like I need to save money. Um, And, and so, you know, I have a lot of those experiences that I think um, I share with a lot of constituents. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, that's what I think of now that I'm in this position. And you can bring it to the table when the conversation gets to that point. You're not speaking from uh, from the outside. You know, you've been there and it's not just that you want to empathize with them, but you understand how to help because you've been through it. And and, and the other thing I'll, I'll make a mention of is it's like uh, the old the hero myth you've got to go through the dark tunnel to get out the other side. The problem is life has a lot of dark tunnels, you know, and, <laughs> and occasionally you get stuck and you've got, if you have other people who have been through there, they can help you get out of it. And it's great to have somebody who is in a position to uh, 
conduct, uh, you know, legislate to help businesses who has had that experience. And I think more people should consider being office holders after being a business person. It's the classic Greek, um, you know, democracy. Everyone participates, not just those who have a career in it. So you come from the outside in, you do your time, others will come in after you. And, and that's, that's healthy, in my opinion. So I, I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Thanks mm -hmm. to the San Fernando Chamber of Commerce mm -hmm. for everything that you do for our small businesses and um, definitely want to continue partnering with you and the chamber. Um, and please know that I'm a resource for you and can help you with any of the state services. Well, thank you, Luz Rivas, for uh, being on our show today. Uh, I thank you, listeners, for uh, chiming in. Uh, you can leave some comments uh, about the show if you'd like it, media at sanfernando.com. Uh, let us know what you think. Let us know if you've got an idea for a, uh, a guest we can interview. Um, give us some questions. And also uh, check out Luz Rivas' website. Um, she is the Assemblywoman for the 39th District of California. Um, again, thank you, Luz, for being on the show. And you have a super day. Thank you.